guess who? It's your favorite co-host from the newly revamped number one rated podcast in the world, How You Feeling with Coco and Fran. I'm Coco, by the way. Anyway, we love what we're doing here, and we want to continue to grow and improve by bringing you quality episodes each week. One of the best ways to help us is with financial support. For as little as 99 cents a month, you will be contributing to the growth and success of this podcast. That's less than $12 a year. Just click the link in any episode description and become a sponsor. We'd really appreciate it. She's Coco, and he's Fran, and they want to know, how you feeling? Hello, everybody. Yes, don't adjust your headphones. Today, on How You Feeling, we have a special guest host. And her name is, what is your name? Erin. <laughs> Erin. You know Erin from previous shows. Um, we might as well just have her on as a cooking segment already. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's, she's, Coco's not here because she is actually in Beirut finding the perfect chickpea for her hummus that she's making. I mean, that girl will go anywhere. Good for, for the, her. For the perfect chickpea. She better be careful out there. She, that's Help. all I'm going to say. How long is she out there for? Uh, I don't know. I mean, we might hire you full time. <laughs> sure. <that's fine. laughs> no, I don't want to take Coco's spot forever. But no, you know, no, she's, no. She's got she, that boss going on. And she's hilarious because I know she panics whenever she's not on the show. Like, you know, the number of times where I'm like, she'll have like a bunch of stuff going on and I'll say, why don't you just take the week off and I'll just get someone like I'll get Aaron or I'll get Akila or I'll get like someone to like co-host with me. And she's like, no, I can do it all. I'll do Cause she does not like to leave it. She doesn't. <laughs> this is her baby, man. And she's the one who does all the post-production. I don't, I don't get in her way. I can, the thing is about us is this, I can, produce this show blindfolded and she can do post-production blindfolded mm-hmm. and that's why it works mm-hmm. um i can get a guest in a heartbeat um so a, yeah so no i was gonna say um what have you been up to that is fascinating interesting or just stupid um lately it's been pretty pretty mellow I gotta say, I've been um, spending a lot of time in my apartment. I think I need to get out and get a little more sunshine and vitamin D, but I don't, this is my issue. I don't have an outdoor space to go to for my apartment. You know what I mean? It's like too busy and I don't really want to be around people. So if I go outside, it's like a little mini city going on. So I have to figure that out of like where I could sit out in the sun and just kind of be in nature a little bit but you've done it to yourself because every time you move into an apartment even if it's the size of like a shoebox it always looks cool and you don't want to leave <laughs> remember my old apartment when you you came by and it was like you had to bring your own chair and there's like no room to even put the chair because yeah, it was so small yeah that was fun though that was fun though <laughs> but you need the best of that i tried i couldn't cook in that apartment because the uh the fire alarm was hooked up directly to the fire department. And if you had like five seconds to stop it, and if you didn't, they would come. And then after three times of a false call, they'd find you like a thousand dollars. So. <laughs> and I also remember the bathroom was much bigger than the kitchen. Yeah. 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 The bathroom was much bigger. It was like, you had a, like a, you had like a walk-in shower. Like it was like, there was like a couch in there. Like it was so big. And then I was like, Dude, and your kitchen is like, you're sharing a sink and a stove. It's like, flip the sink and it's a stove. Yeah, that apartment was wild. I was there for like four years. It was tiny, but it was warm in the winter, I must say. But yeah, but. Oh yeah, when I used to come visit you in the winter, that place was hot. (laughs) 
But you know what? You have always had that knack for going into a place and making it better than somebody else would. God knows what somebody else would do in a place like that. Thanks. Well, the person before me um, died in the apartment. Wow. I guess they they have to disclose. (laughs) They have to disclose that to you. I I guess that's what at least my uh, landlord said. She was like, I have to disclose to you that the person who lived here before you died. And I was like, in the apartment? And she was like, yes. And then when I saw it and I saw how small it was, like there was no way I couldn't avoid wherever that person died. Like I definitely walked over wherever they killed over, you know, when I was laying there for a couple of days, but it didn't, I didn't get a creepy vibe. So I was like, yeah, sign me up. <laughs> I have a, I have a feeling they died on that, in that walk-in shower on that sofa. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, that's where anybody would want to die in a walk-in shower. It's a good spot. I mean, I I never knew that about your place. Yeah. 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 She told me like a couple of days later after I, after like we had talked about it and I was like, well, whatever, everybody dies at some point, you know? And I was just like, it just so happens that they were there and it's fine. Well, I, I, I wish we would have had a walkthrough with our psychic guests that we had on last episode. Yes. Or a couple of episodes ago where she could walk through and tell us where they died. You know, Um, that is creepy, though. You think so? You don't think you'd live in a. No, I would. I would. (laughs) Here, this is what I've said on the show a million times. I could walk up to an attic in a house and see an entire dinner table set up with a ghost family enjoying a meal. And that wouldn't freak me out. What would freak me out is walking into an attic and just seeing rats everywhere. That would freak me out. I would rather see a family of ghosts enjoying ghost food, listening to ghost music. You know what I mean? Like setting a ghost table. And that to me would be more pleasing than seeing a bunch of rats in my attic because that would freak me out. I'd be in therapy. Well, okay. Well, let's take this. If what if the ghosts like invited you to eat? Would you sit down? Absolutely, because I want to know what they're eating on their side of the world. <laughs> I mean, who say no to a free meal? <laughs> really? Like we've said this on the show before millions of times. You know, I don't care what people and Coco gets mad at me when I say this. I don't care what people look like. If you're a single individual, you're at the supermarket. And somebody goes, I want to take you out for sushi. I'd be like, what night? Let's do this. Are you paying? You're paying? All right, let's do this. I mean, never say no to a free meal. Oh, my gosh. No, that's stupid, and it's rude. Would you bring Jen along? Would be, like, you just show up with Jen. Oh, yeah, I'd show like... my whole family. That's a game. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm just letting you know we're eaters. <laughs> And I'm also going to, can I have some takeout to bring home for tomorrow? Because, come on, don't be rude. You invited me. You should let me do this. Um, Oh, wow. So from food to fashion today, that's my segue from food to fashion. So today our, um, our guest is going to talk to us a little bit about like fashion and how people are feeling when they work in fashion and what that is all about, because I think we all have this sort of dynamic that fashion is a pretty scary industry to work in. Um, I can't imagine like even being a man, I still feel like there's a level of competition between men and the way you're supposed to look. Um, You know, it's like, I think the indication, I can just speak from a male perspective, the indication definitely is there with clothing when you go to a men's store, because I I feel like I personally weigh less than I did probably six years ago. But meanwhile, I go to the same stores that I used to shop in and the clothes have gotten smaller. Mm -hmm. It's strange, Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, who's to say, Um, but why don't you tell us uh, who's on the show today? Give us a little like, Aaron's going to do it. Aaron's going to do it. 
All right. So our wonderful guest for our podcast today is Lisa Lawrence. And Lisa has been a luxury fashion public relations executive for 27 plus years. For 23 of those years, she oversaw the public relations for Jean-Paul Gaultier in North America. She and her team were responsible for all of Gaultier's imaging through brand identity, advertising campaigns, collaborations, celebrity dressings, media features, magazine editorials, museum exhibitions, fashion shows, etc. She has worked, and this list is pretty wild. She has worked with Beyonce, Lady Gaga, Rihanna, Jay-Z, our Queen Oprah, and our Queen's Queen, Aretha Franklin, Prince, David Bowie, Ariana Grande, Nicole Kidman, Brad Pitt, Taylor Swift, Adele, and so many more. In 2013, Gautier decided to close down his ready-to-wear line for good, and it was at that point that Lisa decided to work for smaller brands as a senior executive to align those brands with the powers that be. Lisa has consulted as a PR expert for brands L'Avant, Celine, Manolo Blahnik, and many more. And her main focus really is to help brands understand their customer, their brand identity, and their sales. So Lisa Lawrence. All right. Well, we're going to bring Lisa in because she's waiting. Um, let's bring her on. And uh, you better be nice to her because, you know, if she made you say all those French words. I know you're pissed. <laughs> Practice those. Yeah. So uh, here she is. Oh, were you guys like looking at me going like, what is wrong with her? <laughs> No, I mean, I was looking at you going, what is right with her? Because she's looking. No, oh, you know, no, I'm like, are they talking amongst themselves or are they waiting for me? Or, I, you know, I am such an ignorant tech tard. <laughs> the phone is my typewriter, my phone, and my pictures. And that's it. I don't know anything else about it. So when people are like passwords and things like that, I'm like, mm hmm. Is there a dial-up? Can I dial-up the kind of thing? I'm, I'm good at that. You know, there's a lot of that crossover with all of us. You know, it, it's, I still say things like roll down the window and pick up the phone. <laughs> Meanwhile, roll down like, the window. Roll down the window. And you know what? My daughter's like, why do you guys say that? And I'm like, because not everyone had electric in their car. Yeah, no, no, no. I think I, when we got electric, it was like, wait, is this the 20th century? <laughs> like, <laughs> I grew no. up with six brothers and sisters and no dryer and no dishwasher. I'm like, wow. yeah, yeah, I'm like one of those. I'm from Rhode Island. What do you expect? We didn't have any of that stuff. How did wow. you survive? Oh. <laughs> you know what? Just so you guys know, I mean, I'm not sure where you know I'm at with this, but I'm going to be 60 this year. So I am older. And that's why when you reached out to me on this, this is kind of like a threefold thing because of, um, you know, the inclusivity of size as well as age is yeah, in there as well. We hear it. We want to hear it. We and do. I'm, and the racism thing, which is not, I'm, I'm a Caucasian woman, but I did sue my company for racism. So, I mean, not my company I'm working for now, prior, prior company and one. So it's like, right. there's a lot to talk well, about in well, I want to hear it all. And I just want to let you know, usually Coco is my co-host, but today it is Aaron. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Lisa. And we are so excited. We, um, Aaron read your bio before you came on. So we got to brag yeah. and squeal about all of the things in your bio. Um, but you guys, that's like, a, that's like a, a work bio. Like I, there's so much to what I did because I worked in the business that had no social media until later and all of we had you know it was like you you would keep tear sheets you remember francesco there, oh, yeah. you know there was like this was not a business the way it is now i mean pr was the the cherry on the cake after the sales after the marketing and so i i'm i i sort of am grateful that i had it this way because i realized that wisdom has a lot to say because the younger generation and not to put them down because they really do take a beating. Um, it's that they just, they need to listen to 
we have the wisdom and we have ideas and we understand how to do things a little different differently than you, but you have the contemporary digital footprint on how to capture the younger crowd and things like that. So why isn't there harmony? Why can't we work together? Why is yeah. it I'm I'm out of job, but you have a job that you're going to lose in a year because you can't bring results unless you have big advertising dollars to to the table anymore. Mm -hmm. So it's it's no longer about relationships. But well, how did well how did you decide to be in public relations and, and okay. have the fashion industry come into that? Well, this is going to make you chuckle. So I grew up in Rhode Island and I always wanted to be a doctor and I never factored in the bad news and blood. Uh-uh, never. Nope, not me. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm going to get really good grades and study really hard through middle school and high school. And I'm going to go to a good school and I'm going to be a doctor. Okay, fair enough. My parents were like, great, great, good, big dreams. Went to BU first year cadaver. I don't do cadavers because I have never seen one. And I just was not that smart. And blood is a thing for me. Like if my daughter fall, when she used to fall, both my husband and I would be like, can you take this bandaid and go across the street and ask them to bandage you up? Because <laughs> we're going to go throw up upstairs and just like watch the traffic when you cross back over. Okay. Like seriously. So I transferred to Northeastern and Northeastern is a co-op school where you go do internships. And it was awesome. It was awesome. So I switched my major because you know, when you're young, the youngest of six and my parents were older, my mom had me in her late fifties. It was like, you wanted to sort of have some kind of legacy to them. At least I did. Mm -hmm. um, and I was really like, I'm, I got to do something to make them proud. I mean, they worked mm -hmm. so hard for all of us. So I um, studied psychology and through my years at Northeastern, I pulled in communications and public relations and marketing and the psychology is what allowed me to um, survive the skinny girl's world as a size 14. Mm. And, and, and that's why some of your, some of the questions that you asked, one of them is, you know, I never felt discriminated. It was my upper management that would pull or allude to things, but I was clever enough to it's just sort of be like, you sure you want to say that? Like, you know, if you say that or you put that in writing back then, it was still an issue. You could still get in trouble for it. So the, they would allude to, oh, is that what you're wearing? Oh, do you think that looks good? Or, you know, things like that. And just so you know, I'm like, I'm apple shaped. So I'm bigger on the top and smaller on the bottom, but I've always been. And I never felt rejected or discriminated or made fun of ever with the caliber of celebrities and people I was working with. And we're going from Gaga to Beyonce to Rihanna to Jay-Z to uh, Aretha Franklin to Nicole Kidman to all of them. And it just wasn't, I think really intelligent people don't do that. And it was also, I, I'm friendly and I have a kind personality and I'm a hard worker. So I think sensible people were able to separate, you know, this girl is here to do a job and she's, you know, making us look beautiful with these creations. And I also worked for Jean-Paul Gaultier, who is a designer that once said to me, if it's about you, then why have me? And it made sense because he, he had every oddball in his pen of people, you know, I mean, I don't mean to put anybody down, but everyone had their own uniqueness to them, whether it be transgender back in the 80s and the 90s which you know he was open-minded to all that stuff so mm -hmm. it never was an issue of any sort and working was, for Gautier wasn't he one of the he actually worked with the and correct me if I'm wrong you would know surely uh her name I think her name was Stella and yes she, and she was the like girl yeah and yeah. she was and back then I mean I remember seeing her in the 90s and remember yeah. watching her on like house of style or mtv or something and i lived in front of mtv so everything i learned was from there and <laughs> and i remember seeing her in like some thing they were doing and i was like wow because even back then it resonated because she didn't look like anybody else but see that was the thing like if i was working for you know calvin klein i'm sure i would have been you know made to feel like an outsider and i'm not trying to put calvin klein down or any of that it's just when I worked in fashion in the late 80s, 90s on, it was a different time. You know, all of this, like Me Too and all of that, you know, it was a really different time. And 
it was very garish and it was excessive and it was it wasn't really a business per se it was pretty close with really good talent because don't forget there was like Tom Ford and John Galliano at that time and McQueen and you know and I think it was just this full-on concentration of wow look at all these amazing designers look at these incredible creations and then the the celebrity replaced the supermodel so mm. it was like about getting your clothing on these people. And then it turned to a business. How can we get this celebrity to wear this over this? And they started using their own tactics and things to, you know, have, they say they paid them. I, we never paid anyone a nickel, a nickel. We, Jean-Paul said this one day, he was like, if we're going to pay them, then how do we know they want to wear it? And I'm like, yeah, that's right. Like, if we're paying you to wear his creations, sure. do you really want to wear it, or do you just want the paycheck? And right. a lot of celebrities back then didn't want to. They weren't involved in that kind of stuff. Like, they had the movies and the lifestyle to take on something really like I like it. I'm going to wear it. Lorenz Scott was famous for that. She, you know, she used to style um, Nicole Kidman, and Lorenz was the par professional about getting your clothing on people and keeping it a real organic, healthy, real relationship. Beyonce is another one. Beyonce was in, if social media did not become invented, Beyonce would still be like, she, she's your friend. And I never looked at any of them as my friend. Cause I'm that I'm smart enough to know. Nope. There's no way you can be acquaintances and friendly with these people, but you're not their friend because it's just too big a world mm -hmm. that you're not exposed to enough of it. But Beyonce, you'd say, I need Beyonce to wear this. You call it Tina or Ty. They, they, they were incredible. They were, they changed the, the trajectory of my career because as I too watch, and I, if we're getting off track here, please tell me because I'm a, <laughs> I'm a rambler. Um, I too was committed to MTV because it was a different MTV back then. It's where you got your fashion. It's where you got your music, your videos, your yep. pioneering of ideas that, you know, wh whoever thought of wearing 12,000 rubber bracelets on each arm was like a, a fashion statement, you know? So it was something I was really engaged in. It's where I got my social media back then. Cause that was the news of fashion, entertainment, mm -hmm. et cetera. And I remember watching, I loved En Vogue. I loved En Vogue. And when I, one day I was watching this like behind the scenes with Destiny's Child and they were a four member band. Mm -hmm. And funnily enough, I watched this documentary and within a week, Ty and Tina reached out to me for Beyonce. And it was like, uh, uh, well, Destiny's Child. And I was like, oh my God. And they were down to three members at this point because they had gone through this change of, of you know, four members and then four members with a new girl. And, you know, they were just getting their feet wet in the industry, but they came on and they came on strong and we were a part of all of it. And it was wonderful. And then when Beyonce did the song crazy in love with Jay, Tina, again, you know, they were trying to change the whole facade and create this whole uh, ideology of fashion and talent and these superstars jay-z and beyonce but they were very attainable like you could call up and get jay-z on the phone or beyonce now the layers because of social media and i i respect that because i don't need to know your business as you don't you don't know who you can trust anymore even if you trust people Right. They always go and do things behind your back. But I, I, I feel like am I, I, getting... I, tr I trust that Erin has a question because I think she's itchy to get in here. She's like, yeah. <laughs> she's dying to talk to you because she's so excited. <laughs> Sorry, Erin. I'm a little I'm good. Good. It's okay. I, I wanted to ask because I found something that you said um, earlier interesting where you said, you know, a lot of the, um, in the beginning, you were working with a lot of the the models, right? The fashion models, and they really were representative of the fashion and the fashion designer. And then it has shifted now to the celebrity yep. is now in that role. And my question for you is, when did you really start to notice that shift? And was there particular, um, were there particular celebrities who really started to take that on or certain designers that you worked with in your time that you could see that shift starting to happen? It immediately started to happen. So I'm going to go back a second and I'll be quick with it. I So when I graduated from Northeastern in psychology and communications, 
big, big moment for me, but a very sad thing happened. My brother's girlfriend got killed the day I got, I graduated college mm. and they were getting married in September. And when my dad heard the news, my dad had a heart attack. So oh. we buried her. Um, she was Jewish and we're not Jewish. So, um, it was, it was unbelievable. It was like out of a movie. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Anyways. Um, we went to go bury her and she, uh, there was a graveyard strike and she's not, she's Jewish. So they don't drain fluids. So we had to keep her in a mausoleum for a week. And then we go to bait, we go and we bury her. And then that might, that night, my dad dies. My dad was in the hospital. Um, so it was like, we were up in New York, back to Rhode Island. And I just graduated college and I was the only girl to graduate college. So like there was my moment of thunder. So I moved to the Virgin Islands for two years because I couldn't handle it. The, um, my family went through a lot of personal drama with it, stuff that, you know, in depth, really crazy things happen. And I was like, nope, my whole life is just beginning. I'm out of here. And I moved to the Virgin Islands. When I came back, I had a really incredible fashion friend named Beth Terry. To this day, that woman, she knew Aliyah before anybody knew Aliyah. She knew Romeo Gili before anybody. She is the most avant-garde, chicest woman I know. And she was like, hey, I know this guy who's looking for somebody to help him in the office. It was Robert Forrest, who, was, who had Refat Osbeck. And this is like, remember um, Frankie Goes to Hollywood? Remember that time with yeah. Nana Cherry and all of that oh, was yeah. coming on team? And those people were celebrities in that um in the year in the UK and it's big like they were their celebrities Nana Cherry Frankie goes to Hollywood um Wham uh I'm thinking of the woman uh it'll come to me but it, so we started to work with them in that capacity when the 90s came around it was this huge shift like uh supermodels were Linda and Naomi and all of that and we exhausted it it was like the same it was Linda, Tatiana, Naomi, Stephanie. It just be, they, they were the same models. And then you got into that sort of Amber and, Sh and Shalom. And what ended up then happening is people like Uma Thurman and Nicole Kidman and Kate Blanchett came on the scene. And they were as beautiful and as statuesque as those models. And people took chances and it started to shift over. And then what happened is they realized that models were what's the word you know when linda evangelista made that very foolish comment because she's so lovely she's really not like that we don't get out of bed for less than ten thousand dollars a day right it was like well you know what like yeah. what kind of tired of you are we're gonna go we're gonna like look at these talented actresses and act actors and actresses who are stunningly slim and beautiful and so it shifted in the 90s and it stayed and it really stayed but I also feel that it became another business because the models would get paid for, you know, an, uh, an editorial fee. The celebrities not always got paid. They would maybe be compensated with, you know, a season's wardrobe or things like that because they already had, they already had like a career and they had, they were right. bringing in money. Um, but now, and it's funny because I, I, I was tired, I wasn't tired of celebrities, but everybody went after the same 10 celebrities and it was hard. And if, hard, if they were anyone related to Weinstein, you better get in line because it was like the, you'd get phone calls not to dress these people if it was a Miramax film. And it's like, no, nah, sorry, buddy. You know, we're, like, we're all not going to sit here and wait till it not be a Miramax film. That's not fair. You know, I mean, he wanted them all in his wife's clothes and we were like, that's not fair. And you remember time it was like Vera Wang and Marquesa and, and, you know, you didn't see a lot of Tom Ford. You didn't see Prada so much. You mm -hmm. saw Galliano for Dior um, Couture, but you never saw Gucci. And then we started getting it. And we got Uma Thurman, Kate Blanchett, Nicole Kidman, and all we dressed them and they gave us back the dresses. Wow. So the shift to celebrities was um, 90s and, and it floundered. It would go celebrities, it would go models, it would go celebrities, it would go models because models now it's like, you have Gigi, you have Bella, you have a whole new genre of models that, you know, they're they, and, um, you know, you have transgender models and they're, I think it's amazing. I think that I'm grateful I had the nineties for fashion because the decadence in all of it was just so much fun. And it, it really, um, 
Like I was thinking about that question. I was like, God, you know, I don't really have any complaints about the industry. Like in that everyone was so, I mean, I would get like 12 concert tickets to go see Beyonce or Aerosmith or any of the bands that are out and about graciously and go backstage. And they were so, I mean, I remember Prince gave me 20 tickets one year and I was like, I didn't even know if I have 20 friends. And it was just the garish. Yeah, we didn't know one another. Sorry. The garishness of it all was sort of exciting because now once things turn into like, it's like this business went, you know, public, like it's now it's, it's got to make money and it changed everything. Everything was about, you know, well, what about, dollars. you were saying Lisa about the nineties. And the one thing I think about when I say, whenever I hear anybody talk about the nineties fashion right away, I think of Kate Moss, the heroin yeah. chic. Yeah. And so like immediately when I think of that, I think the first question I have to ask you is, don't you feel like, the bodies have changed now. Like there's, there's a level of like, you've got the Kim Kardashian body that would never have stood up in the nineties. No, no, but don't forget who did I work for? So we had like Beth Ditto. I mean, Beth Ditto back then, you know, like we had those girls, we had um, Crystal Wren, like John Paul did not, he did not look at somebody and say, oh my God, look at their body. They have Mm -hmm. to wear this. Sean Paul would look at somebody and say, what makes them special enough to wear my creation? Mm. And, you know, there would be um, an albino model or a beautiful mixed uh, colored model with freckles. And there would be uh, a variety of looks that you would see. Kate was like a a darling to Jean Paul, but Kate wasn't Jean Paul's favorite model because, you know, she was petite. Jean Paul's creations were they were cumbersome, some of them. They were over the top, like Nadia Auerman and, mm. you know, Jade Parfait, people like that. And yes, it was all about being thin. Mm. But you never, I mean, I never did. I never felt like I wasn't included. I was included in everything. And I was never thin. I've never been thin. And only my upper management would somehow allude or hint or, you know, throw something at your way just really to tear you down I was going to ask do you think was what was do you think the purpose was behind that like that they wanted you to quote unquote you know represent visually the yeah brand is that what it was where it's coming from they they were influenced by what was happening for everyone else so of course they want representation but I consider myself a very quirky person I've always I mean like I'm 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 never going to be old in that, in my mind. I, I know way, no, I know as much as a 20 year old knows in terms of what's happening in everyday life and contemporary in the news and politics and fashion, I keep myself informed. And I think that knowledge is power. And the one thing is, is I was a step ahead of everybody because I've always felt that way. I've always read everything. I wouldn't read the New York times cover to cover, but I might read, you know, every magazine cover to cover and we didn't have the internet so much. So Yes, it was a definitely thin and druggy time, but there was also a lot of like, if you look at Linda and Naomi and Christy and Stephanie, those ladies, they were slim, but they had a shape, you know, they had body. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I worked for Stephanie Seymour. She has the most insane body, even at this point in time, but she's not emaciated. And she never was. So you did have a little bit of the emaciation, which no disrespect to them, because I think they're naturally thin, but it was also maybe part of the culture and they fed into it. Then well, you aside, this- from, aside from Jean-Paul and his unusual way of seeing the world compared to everyone else, like if we bring it now to today, and obviously there's, like you said, there's transgender models, there's, there's just more diversity in that world. And even someone mm-hmm. like me who doesn't actively follow like what's happening with models, I, I notice it, you know, that there's people that are, but, but does it still exist? Does that discrimination about weight yes. still yes. exist? Yes, it still does exist. I think that we are, that we are a, we are as humans, we judge people on first appearances kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I think in the fashion world, it's more, but I truly wanted to say that I don't think it's because people are cruel and judgmental. I think that, you know, you have numbers to meet 
And if you're a big brand and you're making 15 million this year, how are you going to make 25 million next year? And so they sort of got very limited on their, this is then, this is very, they got very limited on like, you know, we need to have this image. And it was a false image. It's like, it's, it's like skinny girls don't sell clothes now. They just don't because it's not real. But did they really ever sell clothes back then? Because everybody knew I will never look like that and that. And they also felt like they, a thing that was shifting was they didn't believe clothes that celebrities wore were something they wanted to buy because they knew celebrities were getting them for free or they thought they were getting them for free, which they all weren't. So they, the, the opinion started to change. So I can't wear this because I'm never going to look like this. And then why am I going to buy something? She gets all of this for free. She's a big celebrity. And things started to shift. And it mm-hmm. started to lighten a little bit in the early 2000s. But again, I worked for Gautier, who if you weren't odd, we weren't coming after you. Right. We would <laughs> well, like I also think about when Adele was on the cover of Vogue the first time. And I remember yeah. it was it was a joke because- right, like- because she you was knew- so overly airbrushed and she looked like a cartoon. Like they tried so hard to shadow her out and make her look like she had a jawline. And, you know, when they should have just played up to who she really was because people loved her for her own brand of whatever, you know? Um, but the higher ups can't think that way. The higher ups are all about making money. And I'm not like, I, I don't care what anyone says. Anna Winter was a, is is a genius. I don't care what anyone thinks of her. You try, whether you like what she's doing or not, what she did for this business, she turned fashion into a real business. I mean, I want to believe that Diana Vreeland initiated it, but I think Anna Winter, along with Tani Goodman and Grace Connington and Polly Mellon and Grace Mirabella, those women turned this into an elegant business and they put an image behind it. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you, like, I think that the higher ups of Anna Winter, the Cy New houses, people like that, they were, their mindsets, their older people, they were stuck in that, you know, we're going to keep the image to slim, you mm-hmm. know, famous girls or celebrities because that's what we feel works and we don't want to take the chance. Gautier took the chance on any of it. He mm-hmm. would take chances. I mean, Andre Pejic, who is now, fully changed his name because he is she wonderful human being she was he was gorgeous as a man and as he was transitioning and so beautiful as a woman that all of a sudden people started to like you know hey this is an interesting concept but I won't be rude I think people were ignorant and they got sheaved by things you know what I mean like you know, you see Beth Ditto in a Gautier Couture dress and she was a heavy set girl and mm-hmm. she's also a lesbian. And, you know, like you see Stella, you see Crystal Wren. Well, Crystal Wren mm-hmm. lost a ton shit of weight and we didn't use her as much. We, like Jean Paul had a catwalk that was always a variety of everything because he is inclusive and he always was inclusive. So I worked for a company that had Moschino and Alberta Ferretti and they were all about that slim image. Well, not Moschino. Moschino well, didn't you know, wear it either. Well, I wanted to, because you said inclusive. I want to talk about something that we've talked about on our show. We've had several guests from all walks of life shedding their light on this, this topic. And I definitely got to hear what you have to say about it. I okay. can remember watching MTV. And I'm going to take, I'm going to use a great example that we always use on the show because I don't think this person personifies this more than anyone who was very close with John Paul and I'm sure still is Madonna. Mm-hmm. And we talk a lot about cultural appropriation. And we talk about how when, and someone was on our show and actually put it the best way I, I could have ever heard it, that we were fed those different ideas like Madonna being Asian, Madonna being Indian, Madonna mm-hmm. being Puerto Rican, Madonna being, you know, whatever, right? right? She was of all parts of the world at all times. And she committed to it. She wore the rubber kimono on the Grammys. Like she committed yep. Now yep. it was the person that was on our show said it very well. We were fed in the nineties through MTV specifically that it wasn't cultural appropriation. It was fed to us that this is what fashion was. 
This is how fashion spoke to us. So I want to know, like, what are your thoughts about cultural appropriation? Because why is it, why are we like canceling people now when it happened 30 years ago? Cultural appropriation, I brought up about fashion because it is a topic that comes up with a lot of young people and it makes them cringe. Like we had a, we had a guy on our show who's, um, who's indigenous and he had a lot of opinions about people even using influences of the native people in clothing and fashion and see, I, see that's taken it too far for me but it's i feel so like much but, but i feel like and this is my personal opinion okay i feel like being someone who's italian okay i feel like and it's no comparison like i'm not going to say that like we're a tormented people because we're not we have pizzerias everywhere we're okay and <laughs> so um but the reality is is that you see the influences of everything everywhere. And like, at what point does Aaron, like you're walking around and you're wearing a beautiful necklace that you bought at a shop and someone walks up to you and says, you know, that's from Zimbabwe. You have no right to wear that. Right. And then at what point do you go like, to Lisa's point, when does it stop? And, and to that point the- too, it's just like, I, I, it, cause I do own, you know, jewelry and clothing that I've purchased from different countries and tried to make sure that they were fair trade or tried to, yeah. you know, I I've been cognizant of that. And, you know, I try and do that with my students too, because I, I just want to wear it and show it. And I want them to ask me questions, but I don't know if someone, I guess there's the point too, right. Of fashion that like, at one point, I just love the textiles and I love the jewelry. I just think it's beautiful and I want to wear it and represent it and it's beauty. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm not, you know, buying it to be like, Oh, I bought this and, and Kenya, but it is a talking point yeah. if I am asked about it. I'm like, oh yeah, this is from Kenya. And this, you know, this is what it's made out of and things like that. But I feel like I'm first buying it just because it's beautiful, aesthetically beautiful. Yeah. But that's also like, like for me, for this instance, when, if we have to recognize these small things and, I'm, and I'm, they're small because white people get away with a lot of stuff. What are our apathies in life? If you look at it, what, you know, the Zimbabwe or the indigenous, if we recognize that these people have suffered, and I do recognize, I am a white woman who sued a company for racism. I'm a white woman. I'm not, there's not a drop of color in me. And I went out and spoke on behalf of people who were not, were, and I can't go into it because I signed the thing, but I can tell you peripherally, I was, uh, they, they laid me off and I accused them of racism, of not allowing me to dress people of color or people of size after I left Jean-Paul Gaultier because Jean-Paul Gaultier closed wow. down and they asked me to stay on. And I'm like, wait, I, you've asked me to leave, which is no problem because they did not like the people I was going after. I was going up to the people I worked with for Jean-Paul Gaultier. They only wanted, you know, the Sienna Millers and that whole world. And I get it, but I, I didn't have those connections. So I continued because to me, the talent is in the diversity. It's not all white people are not all talented. And that's like so narrow-minded, but why can't, like if we recognize that people of color have suffered and I do recognize it. I have a Black Lives Matter in front of my house right now, but I haven't, I've always recognized it. This isn't new for me. I just treat everybody the same. I'm kind as I can be to you. But if you start with me, I don't mind going there with you because your ignorance is prevailing and that's where we're going to go. So it's for me, I am not doing anything but appreciating. I am not disrespecting any cultures. I am not saying anything negative about anyone. Mm -hmm. But if you're an asshole and you happen to be of color, well, you're an asshole first to me, not anything to do with your color. And that's why I want to just finish up that point with, uh, with Dave Chappelle. Do you all know what happened to Daphne? Do you all deserve, did you guys hear the rest? So, so, so why is he trans? This woman killed herself. Right. Because she went to bat for him. So why did they bring her down? Why did the trans world attack her on Twitter for standing up for this guy and still call her transphobic? And then they walked out on Netflix and things like that. I'm like, well, I don't get what happened here. I don't see why he's being condemned for what he really didn't do anything. Like that whole story was just a perfect example of what was happening. And then it happened after this was released again, you know, like. 
his whole point in in that story was how the community that she was a part of was really the reason why she committed suicide because of all exactly. of that horrible yeah. negative feedback. And then it was released. And now all of that horrible negative, you know, feedback and everything is coming back again to Dave Chappelle when mm-hmm. it, that, it was like, that was the point of the story to, to show. I, to and I always that. call it like, and I always say, cause I don't refer to myself as a liberal. I'm just not because I just, you know, when you're around liberals long enough, and I learned this like 20 years ago, you can't make jokes about anything. Okay. You just can't. So the reality is, is that I have always said a lot of liberals out there, they're like piranhas. Like you can't have two of them in a tank together. Like they literally, they will eat each other. And that's exactly what happened. You know, it was like there, I don't know if their intention was good or not, but the fact is, look at what they did. People who claim to be liberal trans people destroyed another liberal trans person. You know, did we lose Lisa? I think her her mic bit be off. Oh yeah, she's muted. She's muted. Here, I'm going to ask her to unmute. Okay. You know, she probably is having a cocktail. <laughs> you know. It's- it's in my pocket. It was in my pocket. I'm not fashion. having a cocktail. I know I'm you so fashion people. I know how you no. are. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not that way. But wait, I want to go to your liberal point about what you're saying with this. And you know, when I realized that last year, I live in Montclair. You know that, Francesca. Yep. I live, this is supposed to be the most liberal, diverse. I've lived here. We've lived here for almost 25 years. Beautiful, awesome, gorgeous town. Absolutely. It 100%. is not liberal. It is not liberal and it is not diverse. And I learned that last year. And I will tell you that last year when they put these kids in remote, I was like, okay, you've got your choice, but that's not my choice. And I pay taxes here and I live here. And my husband went back to work in June of 2020. He didn't get vaccinated until March of 2021. He didn't get COVID. And only two people in his office got COVID. My daughter went back to gymnastics in July of 2020. And no, and two people got COVID, not in her team. I went back to work in November of 2020. None of us were vaccinated until 2021. And this remote nearly destroyed us. I mean, my daughter was a completely different human being because she's an only child. She had no stimulation. And I was at anyone on Facebook. And this is maybe where I was a little immature. I but can't like, I you call you. When I hear Facebook and immature in the same sentence, I'm I'm there. I got the popcorn. popcorn. <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you, I went at some of these moms like, who the fuck do you think you are? You have your choice. So stay with it. I want to say, I don't want my kid at home learning off of a computer. She had just started high school. It was a disaster. But that's when I realized, you know what? This fancy word we throw around liberal, diverse, Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Well, you know what happened to us when we lived in Montclair, we were at a party once and there was a couple there and it was right around the time when Obama was going to, he was running the first time and they were talking to us and they're a white couple and they were talking to us about how they had all these reservations with him being president. They weren't really sure that they want to vote for him. They had a lot to say to us, right? For people Mm. that we just met Mm, and I knew where they lived, right? I'm not, this doesn't go into an Italian direction. I didn't go there and attack them. But uh, okay. what, what happened was I ended up driving past their house. We were driving past their house and I pointed at their house and I said to Jen, you know who lives there, right? And I told her the couple's name and they had Obama signs all over their front lawn. And she turns to me and goes, they're so full of shit. And I'm like, yeah, because they live in this town. They have to placate. They have to play. Yeah. You have to play the game. Well, listen, I mean, we all have our opinions of Trump. You see, for me, Trump and reality TV ruined everything. For me, the whole like Trump world of bringing out, you know, that high rate of ignorance and the whole religious thing of, yeah, you're just religious on paper. Your your heart about it. Your heart is not Christian at all. That was that that I thought changed a lot. Then I thought reality TV, and that's where I started to see how fashion was going to get ruined because rea- I think reality TV, I hate reality TV. I, um, I no disrespect to anyone, but it's that no I don't care. Anyone, but you're an asshole if you watch it. Yeah. I don't care <laughs> about your life and you shouldn't care about mine either. Right. And I don't want to know your secrets and I don't want you to know mine either. So you shouldn't be like 
blasting it off because I think it's like the decline. You know that song, Radio Killed the... Yep. What was the, yeah, video, video killed, killed the radio star. Video killed the radio, yeah. And so that's what I've always been like because I can't stand. But the whole Trump thing, I think like we weren't excited to dress up. I, I really believe once... Obama was president. I love him. I love the man. And I don't know why we're on this, we're getting on this, but once he came to office, there was a whole big part of the world was like, not, not for me. And I'm going to make sure there's not another man of color or ethnicity in that office ever again. So we're going to give it to the stupidest guy on the block. And probably, I mean, I'm not a huge, I am not a Trump supporter at all, but I really feel like everything changed when he was in office. I, no one, no one was happy. Fashion was, look at what happened with fashion. They hired Rafe Simmons for, for Calvin Klein. And uh, I mean, it was just a disaster. And I can't, I don't think anyone, I can't remember if anyone died within that period, but it really, everything felt yucky and everything started to, mm -hmm. in my opinion, started to go downhill. There was nothing exciting. Cause see, I've always said this about fashion. You have beautiful clothes. Why don't you have beautiful people? Like, why are people assholes about things when there's no need? And it was just part of the tone. It was part of that whole, like, you know, and then reality TV came in. And I swear to God, I feel like a whole nother mix of meanness came aboard. But I was never a victim. I was never, um, I was never meant to feel anything other than okay, uh, I'm doing this job. I'm working with these amazing celebrities and I'm acquiring it all without, without writing a check to anybody or giving away a house or anything like that. It was all organic, real relationships. And I'm going to tell you, I feel like that's going to come back because I think that they're, look, I think that this whole like me too, cultural, all of that, it's here, it's here to stay. I think we have amazing role models in the business right now that look beautiful. And I think it makes everybody a little happier to be included. Who doesn't want to get an invite to the party because they're a little too big or they're another color or something like that. It's rude. It's like, just include, but I, I feel like fashion and I kind of changed the trajectory of this conversation very quickly on you guys, but I feel like fashion's coming back in a fantastic way. Wow. Like Harry, I'm working for a heritage brand and I really do believe that heritage combined with all a bit of our isms is helping us have a new view about um, the world of fashion. Like the, like, look what's going on. I mean, Christian Dior is freaking beautiful. McQueen, Valentino. I mean, it's about beautiful. It's, it's, it's again, how everybody said the pandemic was like the Spanish flu. After that came the roaring twenties and right. that's when everybody, but then don't forget the depression came right afterwards. So <laughs> we got to be careful there. Well, like, you know, you were saying, you were saying, I, I caught you saying in that relationships and the relationships you made, what's the best advice you ever received from anyone? Don't ever try to be their friends. It's a business. If, if a friendship comes of, of it, then that's great because you're going to get disappointed really easily. And I was never, I, I remember like Beyonce one day wanted to come by the office to thank the staff for how much we did for her. So she pulls up with Jules, her driver and Ty and walks into our 30,000 square foot townhouse and goes to every single floor to say hello to everybody and introduces herself and it, right, it was right when she had gotten engaged. So she had her ring on. She was very, she is a, she's a, freaking awesome human being and granted now she's a little quieter she's got three kids she's also got social media everything yeah. she does is, is is criticized or you know whatever so right. just don't if they become a friend they become a friend but have your expectations you know, low in that respect I have to, and i have to say lemonade is a great album oh my god she's i mean really and and you know it's funny i was watching it if you haven't seen it yet aaron too I, I talk to you about this but if you got to see Jade Adams, she's a she's a comedian, an English comedian, and she's she's a she definitely flaunts the fact that she's a larger, full figured, like she doesn't she doesn't hide it. She puts it in the she does this whole piece about Beyonce and Jay Z, which people leave torn about it. Hmm. But one thing she says in it, which was totally resonant to me, I was never a Beyonce fan. I didn't hate her. But I never was a fan. But when I heard Lemonade, that to me was like rumors from Fleetwood Mac. Like I yeah. literally heard it and I was like, oh my, like 
when Adele was at the Grammys that year and she won and she was pontificating about how like you should have won because this she wanted and to I give was, her half. I was she like, wanted to give her half the award too. I was like one hundred percent on board. I was like, there was that album was so smart, and there was nothing like it. And the reason why she didn't win, I think, because she was Beyonce. Like yeah, well, the reality is the same thing with Madonna. I think half the album she's come out with in the last five or six years, people have criticized, but if she was some unknown off the street, people would be like, how cutting edge, but because people want to hear like a virgin, that's what they want to hear. You know? Well, also, also like, listen, Madonna is, is hard to, she's, you know, she's a hard person to work with. I mean, she, it's not that she's hard to work with. She's of a different <laughs> generation and she's, it's very particular. It's very particular. Yeah. And that doesn't really fly anymore. You know, people like you can't talk down to people. You can't talk, talk down to interns. You can't hire free interns. You can't use people in that way. And Madonna, it's not that she's mean or anything of that sort. It's just a different time. She was like, I mean, she was like God for people. You know what I mean? Certain people. And yeah. she changed so much. But-, but but you know, and I'll say like from a creative perspective, and I just, you know, I so happen to just be a fan of hers. And I like, I like a lot of stuff she's done. And if you watch the Madame X concert, so many people criticized it because it wasn't blonde ambition, right? But the right. Re- well, that's a good point. But if the reality is, is that if you watch it from the perspective of you take it out of context, and you watch it like this is just some woman in some small theater somewhere who's doing some avant-garde show you would people would be trying to eat it off the floor like that's the reality people can't separate from that idea and that's what i'm saying going back to beyonce is that sometimes she's not credited for a lot of things she does because she's big but that that could be said for so many people you know well, I mean, Madonna for me wasn't humble about her success. I think that just more people that like, okay, we know you're Madonna, blah, blah, blah. And then she reacted to new talent instead of embracing it sure. as like, don't copy me. But why? Why can't I? Feel I like everybody I mean, in the time was doing that. Like every single woman of the time was doing it. Mariah Carey never had anything nice to say about anybody. Whitney Houston never had anything nice to say about anybody. Like MTV had a whole ongoing clip of all those women of that time. But well, they all were think, competitive. But I think sometimes you've got to pull away the person from the art. Because when you talk about art, especially like Picasso, Picasso was a dick. Yeah, but I can still Salvador Dali. Same but thing. I can still I can still look at his art and I can enjoy it. I can enjoy right. it because I, I you know you know he might have kicked someone in the street once when he was twenty. Okay, right. but he painted well. You know, I think that sometimes we have to separate. And for you, it's hard because you were so close to those people and you saw them be assholes when they were assholes. You know. But you know, I got to be really like frank with you. I'm, I I really had to sit and rack like who was ever such a fucking jerk or so no one. You know, the only time I ever saw anything that made me go, could they be in bad moods? Could they? Yes. But, you know, if you work with people, you have to understand that they're about to go and put themselves out there, not anything to do with your clothing. It's them out there. So be understanding that if they want an inch off this, a centimeter or an inch up, it's not because they're just being critical. They have to wear this costume for the next nine months or something. Put yourself in their shoes. I always do that because I always try to say, I'm not going to look at it from my perspective. I'm going to try and see it from their perspective. And don't get me wrong. Some of them could be such, mm, but you just, I would always say, thank God I don't lie down with that one at night because, you know, put a pillow yeah. over his head or her head. But you Listen, just, sometimes, it's, it's, sometimes it's, it's nice to have sex with people you hate because yeah. it it's a better experience because you can leave whenever you want. Like, yeah, exactly. And there's no ties. There's yeah, no like you just, things attached. You grab your underwear, you can go. <laughs> so, Aaron, what are you saying? I see you itching over there. Um, we were wondering who is the most famous contact in your phone? Well, okay. So again, back to the whole social media, it, w- it would have been Beyonce, but it, it, they, they probably have burner phones now. Um, we had every number to everyone. I mean, she, it, listen, she sent me my baby stroller when Lucy was born. Beyonce was the, like her mom and dad did an amazing job raising her. Amazing. Mm. She is a quintessential professional, kind-hearted, good person. She was gracious every year with gifts. Um, 
you know, she lived above the Bloomingdale's building when they were here in New York. Jay lived downtown. She was accessible, attainable, approachable, and so kind. And is, I, I mean, I haven't seen her in years and I haven't spoken to her, but then social media. Shoot her and text, see what happens. Oh, no, I, it's an assist. You know what? I don't have her direct. I never, never had her direct. Oh, okay. It's always, it was her assistant, Angie, who I think now is, is Angie's her cousin. And now Angie's like part of the big management yeah, team. But you could like, oh, I loved I, that. I'm telling you, she would call Jean-Paul from the car and just go on and on and on about the care and the kindness of how we handled the situation. I mean, she would laud us like no one's business. She, you might not be a fan, but what I'm always a fan of is somebody's, you know, the foundation of a human being. It's like, I don't care how talented you are. I don't care anything about that. Are you still a kind person? Because this could go up and smoke one day. Yeah. Absolutely. Look at poor Alec Baldwin. Like I, I love Alec Baldwin. He's an asshole and whatever. I mean, I love, I love how, but wait, I, really, because I just have to pick out the comedy in all this. And I know it's too soon, but I love how you were like, everything went up in smoke. And like, then I said, I knew you were going to pick up on that too when I said it. Like, that was horrible. That was horrible. It is too listen, soon. Lisa I feel <laughs> I feel for this guy though. I feel for no, this guy. No, listen, it's a horrible situation, you know? Horrible. Um, so all right. I love having you on this show. And I really feel like I want to bring you back. And I want to basically be like, here's three words. Talk about it. Because you are that guest. You sure. are like, you know, you know, back in the day, David Letterman used to, every time he had a cancellation of a guest, he would bring on Amy Sedaris and she would fill in. And she could oh, I love her. She could talk about anything. Like he'd be like rubber bands, go. And she would be like, until commercial, she'd talk about rubber bands. <laughs> you know, like, you know, it's, you're right about that because I'm such a chatter. I'm yeah, such but a you have so much good things to say. It's not like you're talking about nonsense. You're actually talking about real and you have opinions and you have perspectives. And you know, and I always want I want on this show to like bring you on with someone else that you can have not a debate, but you can certainly learn from each other because there's everything you're saying is like the history of my life and what I remember oh. in media. like watching TV. Like I said to you, when people say, what college do you go to? I said, MTVU you know? <laughs> because I watched every special I watched and, 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 and you're right. It is different now, but I love everything you gave us tonight. And I certainly love that you gave us the time because to have someone like you on the show, oh God, stop. I'm like how, much, nobody. how many gift baskets I have to send you <laughs> Stop with an nothing at all. You know, nothing. I, you know what, listen, can I tell you my whole thing in life now is purpose. I mean, I had a wonderful, incredible career. I survived a time that I really didn't fit in, but I was a smart girl. And I also, I, always ran in with enthusiasm because I was so honored to work in this business. I was never like, I never took anything for granted. And one thing from my upper management that I learned that I don't have a lot of good things to say about them. You never know where people are going to show up or where they're going to be in life. So treat people kindly, but I've always treated people kindly because I don't believe in anything other than, like I said, if you're, if you're an asshole, we're, I'm, I'm not going to make a scene or anything. But just be kind because yeah. we're just dealing with clothes. Oh, we're not wearing anything. And I have to tell you, like, I had a situation where one famous person that I absolutely adored that I expected to be nice was not nice. And the person who I expected to be a complete to me was actually really nice to me. So, so, so don't let that one person, because I'm telling you, I've no, had these. No, 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 no. And okay. I'm not, and I'm not, Good. You know, that was something that, that has nothing to do with celebrity and my perception. That has to be okay. my expectations of me going into a situation like, you know, I'm set to go do a show and open up for somebody for comedy who I absolutely adore. And I went and they treated me so horribly. Oh. And I was like, Oh, but you know what? I put on a good show, so who cares? But the reality is, is that it's just interesting. And, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how famous they are. They still wipe their ass. 
and they're still they're they all gonna die we're all gonna die someday right, and it's, and there's I, no point i like lisa's that's lisa's closing note. we're all gonna we're die we're all gonna die someday so just be kind and you know what i think kindness is making a comeback i really yeah. do i'm telling you as an older person in a critical business i see it and experience it and i'm working for a heritage brand i'm working for belgian shoes right now which is an incredible brand but it's one of those things these are handmade loafers from 1950s and our business we have a one store in the whole world and no e-com and it's so successful and it's the most fun pr because they have never really concentrated on the PR because it's just a natural, but now we get to sort of steer it and it's really cool. And I'm telling you, kindness is making a comeback. I think we went through all these layers only to come back to, we're not curing anything. We all put our pants on the same way. We're all going to die. Let's just be nice. Beautiful clothes. Kindness is making a comeback. Thank you, Lisa Lawrence. And thank you for coming (laughs) to How You Feeling. We'll have you you back again, I swear. I love you. Thank you so much. Love you both. Thank you so much for this. I'm sorry I'm a rambler. Okay, bye. Bye, Bye, Lisa. Thank you. Nice meeting you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. That was great. (laughs) Like me and you are cracking up here. She was awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I was like, you know, I have big shoes to fill stepping in for Coco. And I was like, oh, I need to represent her really well and make sure I ask questions. I don't think I said a word. That was great. Lisa was just filled with really fun stories and information. That was fun. We've all all been there. Coco knows that. So, you know, I'll leave on the note that Lisa left us with. And that's kindness is coming back, right? Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. Well, I wish I had an applause track right now just to thank you for being a... uh, a guest host tonight. Um, Coco, just don't be too jealous. Um, and thank you all for joining us on How You Feeling with my guest host, Aaron. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you for having me.